This gospel parable leaves a pit in my stomach every time we read it because uh, there's something fundamentally wrong with it. Well, (laughs) it's actually wrong with me in my interpretation of it, perhaps. Or when we read it at surface level, uh, it seems terribly wrong. And uh, um, having taught uh, freshmen in uh, my first year uh, as a priest, I, I always have their voice in the back of my head when we read this. That's not fair. But it's more than not fair. And we live in a day and age where, where we have people that are actually calling for what's called equity, that any, everyone ends up the same. That we all have a same basic income, we all have the same stuff, and, and we, you know, and uh, yes, I know there's passages, this passage and others that talk about uh, how the church provided, uh, the early church provided to people each according to their need and all those things. But I also know St. Paul said, let the one who does not work not eat. So there needs to be a balance between these things. But this is not about equity, about giving everyone the same thing but rather there's something else going on. And if all we see is the, the unfairness or the, the equity of, of this uh, generous landowner, we might miss the point. And I think this is precisely the, the reason Jesus tells this parable in the first place. Not, not because he knew we were going to be here as a culture or a society, but because we get a little perturbed by this. More often than not, those of us that would cry, that's not fair, are the ones who style ourselves as the ones who are hard workers. We're the ones who are not uh, slacking off. We're, we're doing what we need to do. Maybe we have appropriate work-life balance or all, all those things. Some of us don't. The more we lack that, the more we might even uh, cry, that's not fair. But even those with proper, would say, wait a minute here. You mean somebody can sit on their duff and, and get the same thing? Well, that isn't the point. This master goes out to find these day laborers. He finds them at dawn, and he goes out at nine and noon and three and five. First, we have to probably should share a little bit about how they kept time. They didn't have clocks or anything like that. So it was dawn was, of course, the rise of the sun. Noon was, of course, when the sun was at its highest spot. Five in the afternoon was maybe just, you know, about an hour or so before the sun was going to set. It was not a literal 60 minutes, though. So for those that were called and sent out to the vineyard right away in the morning at dawn, they possibly worked 12, 14 hours. The ones who were sent out at five, by the time they got out there and got their stuff and got in the vineyard probably worked a whole of maybe half an hour. By the time they, they were called in, the, the ones, of course, who had only been out for that short time were given the daily wage, the usual daily wage. Last week I talked about two kinds of coins, uh, the, the talent, which was worth 10,000 days wages, and the denarius, which was worth one day's wage. Here it's a denarius. So if you want to imagine in the back of your mind, about $100 modern equivalent, give or take. Because uh, the Jewish people do not work on the Sabbath, 
It would be about $600 a week that they would have earned. And in the day and age of Jesus, they needed every cent if they had a family. If they didn't, if there was a single man or maybe a, a man and a woman, maybe they could, could survive on that uh, $600 a week, but maybe not. It was tight. They would have had just enough to squeak by. If they hadn't been hired, if this man or the, the, the workers hadn't been hired, they possibly would have had to go hungry that day. So the master, knowing this, gives them the usual daily wage, even though they only worked an hour or three hours. Now, the other side of the pit in my stomach is, this is not sustainable. A master who does this is going to find one of two things. One is, no one's going to go out until 3 or 5 in the afternoon the next day. Because, you know, if I get paid an hour, uh, a full day's work for just an hour's work, hey, <laughs> maybe that's a little bit cynical of me, but I can imagine happening. The other is, everyone and their uncle would come and say, I didn't find a job, but this master, he's going to pay me whether I work an hour or five hours or nine hours or 12 hours or 16 hours, it doesn't matter. And what's going to happen is the grapes are not going to get harvested. They're not going to, they're not going to uh, be able to be picked. He's not going, or he's going to be spending so much for what is brought in that he won't be able to sell his wine for a price that's sustainable. And I think that's part of the point, too. This is not a master who's going to do this all the time. This is a master who does it just once. I deeply believe this parable is about the judgment, the final judgment. That as a master calls all before him, starting with the last and ending with the first. And each person will receive the same amount. Because how can we receive more of God? Because that's ultimately what we receive in eternal life. I'll admit today as we were, we were singing that uh, gathering song, come and one day every knee shall bow, and that's true. But some will be bowing in hell. Every, knee, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, but some will be confessing it to their great regret because they rejected him in this life. But all will receive what is just. See, and I think therein is the issue. We look at this in a modern lens, thinking that's not fair. We live in a culture that tells us fairness is, is a Christian virtue. I'm here to tell you, fairness is not a Christian virtue. That doesn't mean we, we can't, it can be unfair or unfair, but justice is the Christian virtue. Mercy is a Christian virtue. And we see both of those here. The, the, the landowner pays those who worked all day a just wage, the full usual daily wage. But he has mercy on those who only worked that one hour, knowing that if they, he didn't pay them, that they might go hungry. They would have their needs unmet. See, justice is giving what is right and deserved. Mercy is giving, giving what is needed, what is needed to thrive or at least survive. The master is both just and merciful, but he's not fair. And perhaps thank God for that. Because in the grand scheme of things, 
the closer we get, and there is a day when Christ will return, we know we're not the ones that are out at dawn. And I don't even believe we're the ones at noon. And I have to believe we're probably not even those at three. I believe we're those at, at five o'clock. We're the ones that didn't have to endure the midday's heat. We didn't have to endure the, the battles of the early, early church, the martyrdoms, although I hear there's more martyrdoms per, per, um, in strict numbers than there were in the early church yet today. There was a story that came across of a priest who was murdered in Nigeria simply because he was a priest just a few weeks ago. We're the ones who did not have to bear the burden, the heavy burden of the day. And yet God gives us, in his mercy, if we come to him, what we need. And we share that same gift as those who so early on bore the burden, like St. Paul. Today in this uh, that second reading, he, he's struggling. To, I want to go home. I want to receive my reward. But if I stay, you know, I can, I can work even more. And it's for your benefit if I stay, but my benefit if I go. But I don't know which one I should want. So I'll do what the Lord wants me to do. And ultimately, he kept working, kept proclaiming the gospel. I have to admit, it's a hope of mine that I would die with the chasuble on, not literally, but, I hope not literally, you know, either a heart attack or a bullet, one of the two, both would be horrifying for anyone in the congregation, but that I would work up to that last minute and I would be able to, to perform the, the ministry in some way, shape, or form until God calls me home. I think, ultimately, that's what those who love Jesus Christ, those who understand this gospel passage, would do. That we don't slack off and say, well, we're going to get the same reward no matter what. But rather, we share with each other and we share especially with those who have no idea that there is a reward waiting or a punishment waiting. That there is a time when the Master will call us before him and he will give us in his mercy or his justice what we all need or what we deserve. If we've rejected him, if we've refused to go into the vineyard, well, we'll go somewhere else. But if we've worked, even if it's only half an hour, even if it's the last breath of our life, that we say, Jesus Christ, I am so sorry for having rejected you the rest of my life, but I receive you now. That we should rejoice that there's made saints. Not crying, that's not fair but rejoice because they began to see that God is merciful, just. We come this day and ask the Lord to help us let go of the things that we think are unfair. Because as, as I said, fairness is not a Christian virtue. And that we would live a more just and merciful life. And that our culture itself would be transformed by our mercy, our justice. That it would seek mercy and justice and in, in implementing things. Perhaps you see maybe a, a little government thing and let me end with this. <clears throat> it's really easy to spend somebody else's money. This master is spending his own money. Our God gives of his mercy, of his love, of his justice. 
we need to do the same, to love him, to seek him, and to live a just life.